The word of the Lord from the book of Genesis, chapter 1, these words, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created them, man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. All of you gathered here this morning on this uh, beautiful yet warm, breezy day. All of you folks in the back, I now, know, I now know why you sit back there. About a third of the way into the church, it feels like air conditioning back there. But then all of our stuffiness that's up here, that wind just gets stopped. It just doesn't come up here. We can't feel it from here. Could you all in the back kind of blow right now and blow it up this way? That would be great. Yeah. So you didn't think we even knew you were back there, but you are. You're experiencing that wonderful breeze coming through. But all the rest of us, wherever we're at in this church, as well as those who may be joining us through our cable broadcast or, or through our live stream, grace to you and peace from God our Father, who is holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, merciful and mighty, God in three persons, blessed Trinity. In that name, amen. So the church takes an opportunity on a day like today to ponder something that we otherwise perhaps take for granted and assume. And that's okay. Because quite frankly, it's only by faith that we can truly receive this message of how God reveals himself to us as triune, three in one, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But through our hymns and through our readings this day, we get that opportunity to, to ponder it for a moment, to think about it, and perhaps to have our, quote, minds blown away once more. How can God be one and yet three? And not have three different gods, but one God, but three persons that are not the same, but each is fully God, and without each other they are not God. I don't know. How unsearchable are your ways, O oh God, and your paths beyond tracing out. But over time, we have tried through symbols and artwork to try to help us to perhaps get a, a handle, something that we can relate to of how God can be triune. So the most basic of symbols perhaps is the triangle. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, God. But there are more symbols that get a little more sophisticated, like the interlocking circles. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and, and they intersect and so forth. But as you know, every analogy, every image that we would try to use to explain God breaks down at some point. And so we try to maybe make them a little bit more sophisticated. 
Sometimes we might want to appeal to the different work that uh, God does through his different persons. So we think of father as creator, creation, or the king, the crown. We may think of the son, of course, as as the redeemer, the one who died for us, as the lamb of God who gave his life, and the Holy Spirit as the, as the dove represented in our uh, baptism of Jesus and the sanctifier. And then we try to understand and explain even more how the three persons of the Trinity relate and through all of our trials, through all of our charts and our pictures and sophistications, we still come up to the point where the moment that we think we, quote, understand it, is probably when we don't. Of course, you might recall this very simple image, St. Patrick, his mission work on the Emerald Isle of Ireland, trying to help the people there understand how the Bible says God is one, one clover, but yet three persons, three leaves, three loaves, but even that analogy breaks down. But I have to say, one of the ones I wasn't even aware of and I believe it was, uh, I believe it was, um, uh, I don't know if it was uh, uh, Wilhelm Lea, who is uh, the patron saint of, of Frankenmuth and other colonies. I don't know if it was him who gets credit for this, but I had never seen this. That during Bavarian Fest especially, we should use such a symbol to try to understand how God is three in one, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I don't know, patron saint of the pretzel? I'm not sure. But then when you can eat the triune God, I, I think that breaks down too, don't you agree? Well, regardless of whether we can understand it or not, a couple things we should point out. On the one hand, the Trinity is nowhere in the scriptures. You can read the Bible from cover to cover, Genesis through Revelation, and you will never find the word Trinity, triune, or even the words phrase three in one and one in three. It's not there. Having said that, the Trinity is everywhere in the scriptures. From beginning to end. God reveals himself to be, yes, one God with three distinct persons. We reviewed that this morning already with the Old Testament. Genesis chapter 1, the Spirit, the Word, and the Creator, all there. In our Gospel lesson, we hear the most clear statement of our triune God as Jesus says, Go and make disciples. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. We begin nearly every worship service with that phrase. But like I said, we often don't take time to ponder it. And so throughout our scriptures, God reveals himself as the three in one without ever naming it that way. Such that the Christian church, through its creeds, has recognized that to deny the Trinity is to deny Jesus and his work and the Christian faith itself. But at the same time, to confess the Trinity is to confess Jesus and his work and the Christian faith. 
what a blessing it is. Through song, through word, through prayer, in our lips, in our thoughts, in our minds, we are confessing Jesus every time we confess the triune nature of God. But something stands out even more about our reading from Genesis, and that's why we're going to focus there a little bit more, is because of what it says about the fact that God created human beings, man, in the image of God. In the triune image of God. Now in case you've never thought of it this way before, it should be pointed out the distinction between how God created everything and how God created human beings. He simply spoke the word. Let there be. And it was. Have you ever tried to create something from nothing? Most people can maybe be creative, and and even the most creative among us almost always have to begin with some kind of material. Whether it's wood or plastic or paper or paint or pencil or chalk or whatever it is, we start with some materials, but not God. He's the only one who is truly able to create, as the Latin says, ex nihilo, out of nothing. And so God chose to create the universe in this way. Except when it came to human beings. Notice. Nowhere else in the creation account of those six days does God pause and tell us his thoughts except before creating human beings. God takes a break, if you will, from creating all of the other creatures of the earth. And then he says, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. So that we will have representatives on the earth. So that every creature that looks at this new creature I'm going to make will be able to see the image of God in them. And not only does God ponder these words and share his thoughts, it then says that God did not just simply speak Adam and Eve into being, but rather got personally involved in a way as he did with none other. It's as if God got down on his hands and knees and took the earth, the clay, the dust, and formed this absolutely amazing sculpture. My wife and I had the privilege uh, just a few weeks ago of, of traveling overseas with, with a group and, um, and spending time seeing some of the Luther sites in Germany, but we also got to spend a little bit of time in Italy, and that took us to Florence. And I'm not a big art uh, type of guy. Maybe for obvious reasons, since I can't always appreciate what I'm looking at. But having said that, I did learn a little bit something of this guy named Michelangelo. You've heard of him? And his sculpture, which is perhaps one of the greatest pieces of art, I'm told, of all time, it simply goes by the name The David. Now, when you put a definite article in front of a piece of art, now that's saying something. But we got to see it. 
the original. And it's fantastic. Just so many people come to see this, what Michelangelo was able to sculpt out of a piece of rock to look so much like a human, to follow the the muscles and the sinews and, and all of that. It's amazing. But that was nothing compared to the sculpture that God made out of the ground when he made Adam. For it was not just an external structure, it was an internal structure, and yes, it had the capacity for life. And did you hear how this thing came to life? By God breathing into his nostrils. God himself. Getting down and breathing. I guess we can't really call it resuscitation. I was going to call it suscitation, but then somebody after the first service said, what about presuscitation? I like that. I don't think it's a word, but it is now. God breathed presuscitation into Adam, and he became a living thing. And when he made Eve, again, he got personally involved, performs the first surgery, as it will, takes a rib out of man and creates a woman again with his own hands. Why? Why would he do that for this creature that we call human beings, that includes you and me. And what difference does it make? Well, in the big scheme of things, it makes all the difference in the world. Because you see, human beings are not a result of chance and accident. Human beings are the climax of creation. We are the, quote, ultimate of what God has given. He took special care and time and even gave us his breath to make us into his image. We have an eternal soul. We, in that sense, are like God. We are his representatives here on earth, and he has put us in charge of the planet. That's an incredible responsibility, don't you think? And in this day and age, our environment certainly is getting a lot of attention. And if anybody should be concerned and interested in in the proper management and taking care of this planet... It should be, in fact, God's children. But there's one thing that if you listen closely to the basic conversation around the environment these days, there seems to be something missing, at least in many circles, because the environmental movement and saving the planet, so to speak, seems to be lacking the very basic understanding that the environment is the creation to be cared for, but not to be worshipped. It still is God's creation. 
and he alone is the creator. And any movement or philosophy that overlooks that, that dismisses it, is in fact a denial of the triune God. Likewise, when it comes to looking at the value of human life and who we are, any understanding or philosophy that simply looks at human life as being a creation solely of human desire and will, and therefore subject to human desire and will in terms of whether it should live or not, or whether at the end of life there is meaning to such a life, or if it seems to us so compromised and, quote, futile or useless that we should deign to determine whether such life should continue, that, too, is a denial of the triune God and the image that human beings bear. We are, in fact, valuable, priceless. Even though we, through our sinfulness, have, in fact, lost the perfect image of God, yet we still retain that image. And our lives are valuable, whether they are two minutes old or so compromised and close to death that others might view them as worthless. No, we do not seek to worship the creature. We worship and honor the creator. And although we may have authority to do what seems to be best when it comes to other forms of life and its suffering and its management, we dare not look at human life in the same way. It is only God who can give and take away. To be in the image of God, as you and I are, grants us a special status of creature who knows its place before the Creator. And yet another area where this makes a big difference, at least these days, it's so interesting to note the words of Genesis, the specific words of verse 27. For we live in a day and an age that is increasingly, apparently becoming confused about some of these things and is not recognizing just who made us as we are. A culture that would boldly proclaim genders don't play sports, athletes do. That may be true and accurate in a sense. But tell me if I'm wrong, it seems to be spoken in an attitude of defiance. In an attitude that would recognize and say that no one, no one is able to determine someone's gender except for that person. And although there may be some very challenging issues and situations which people have and continue to wrestle with and struggle with that God may only know 
Yet we dare not forget what the Creator has said. In the image of God, He made them. Male and female, He created them. Difficulties? Yeah. There very well may be. But yet, as His creatures, we submit ourselves to the Creator and pray constantly that He be at work in us and through us so that we might bear His image and be His representatives. Because that word by which God spoke everything else into existence was also the word that took on human flesh that became one of us who understands what it means to be human to experience temptation to be confused to have trouble struggles and trials to be hurt to be rejected to feel alone and yet one who continued to love and to give his life as a ransom for us. It is the acknowledgement of that relationship with the Creator, with our brother Jesus, the Creator who became in every way like the creation. It is in that sense that we bear the image of our triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.